Recorded live by the least illustrious G&B comedy alums who call North America home. It's Transformation Thursday. My name is Bill Satry, and because I don't know how to say no, I am now the big voice of the podcast. Your host for this journey through Tangentville are Natalie Walker from Mission, British Columbia, and Amy Stevens, the displaced Minnesotan who now calls Rochester, New York home. And my name is Natalie Walker. My pronouns are she, her. In this episode, we are speaking with Laura Fatinello about yoga and how long-term practice can help us come home to our authentic selves. And of course, my name is Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her. But before we get to our interview with Laura, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, Bill Satrius, here to remind you that what you are listening to is copyrighted material. This is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, here to remind you that what you're listening to is copyrighted material, all rights reserved 2021. You can find Transformation Thursday online by searching for at TransThursPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. It's free, and it does help get Transformation Thursday to a larger audience. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Natalie Walker. My pronouns are she, her, and we are here with Laura, but my fabulous co-host will introduce herself again next. You know what? I forgot to even ask how to pronounce Laura's name. Fantanello? Yes, that's correct. Ah, yes. Very well done. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for, and my name is Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. Uh, so Laura and I actually met a couple years ago before the magic of the pandemic. I would, I'm using that In the magic. before times is what we're calling it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the before times. So my last trip to London, I actually rented some Airbnb space from Laura and had a fantastic time at her flat and enjoyed her company. She came to one of my comedy shows where I presented. We were just talking about that. But Laura does this magical work with yoga and massage and talks about trauma. And we were talking a few weeks ago about all these things. And of course, my counseling brain started lighting up because, <laughs> hey, what kind of weird people like to talk about trauma? So here we are. Hey, Laura, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Amy. Thank you so much. And so you're still in London, but that accent is not English, is it? Uh, yes, I'm still in London. And in fact, a few days ago, I celebrated uh, 23 years of being here, but I'm originally from Italy. So my name is pronounced Laura rather than Laura, but I got used to it. <laughs> it's the British. Fuck up everything. That's all right. <laughs> You're from the Venice area of memory, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Well remembered. Yep, Beautiful so. area. Too much. I've always wanted there. to go there. Oh, you should definitely go. I will give you some tips. They have one of the world's <laughs> oldest velvet mills, and it's the only one in the world that still produces velvet the way that they started doing it in the 1500s. Oh my God, I didn't know that. I was working as a tailor when I was in London, and it was like, it was on my list before I left, and I just oh. never had the chance to go down there to see it. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for, for telling me. <laughs> now, when no you go idea. home, you can visit. <laughs> yeah. And, but before we go down that rabbit hole and we end up in the War of 1812, <laughs> uh, maybe we should talk about trauma and yoga. And, you know, and, let's get a little background. How did you get into yoga and massage? And then 
How did that lead you down to the world of relating it to trauma experiences? Yeah, so that's a really good question, actually, because I got into yoga because I was involved in an accident when I was 18. And at the time, my body completely froze, couldn't walk, uh, couldn't do anything, and um, got a bunch of uh, muscle relaxant injections. And and after a few weeks, I went to see the doctor. By that time, I could I could uh, I could walk, but uh, the doctor said that I might have needed a a surgery and I was very much against it. And uh, my parents also, they didn't think that that might have been a good idea. So I just started a series of, of physical therapies and, and bear in mind that that was about 30 years ago. It was a long time and yoga in Italy wasn't really um, uh, very, very popular yet. Practiced, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then when I went to university in Padova, I then found a studio and I started practicing and I noticed in, almost immediately that it was actually helping me very much with my, uh, with my back pain and posture, et cetera, et cetera. So it became, it became a practice that for me healed my body. But then the more I practiced, obviously I started finding out uh, more and more about all the different, new, new, different nuances of, of yoga, which is not just the physical well-being, but also the mental well-being. And then eventually I, I trained as a teacher in 2009, 2000, between 2009 and 2011. And obviously I went more in depth of what, uh, what yoga is about. And um, recently I, I, I've taken um, a couple of other trainings on restorative uh, yoga and I found out more about stress and uh, trauma and how yoga can actually help heal the body and the mind but there's yeah there's much so much more to say <laughs> anyway, yeah well and you know we we have some time so what is yoga about for you you know you said you learned what yoga is about but what is it for you because that's going to be a very individual answer I would imagine yeah I mean Yoga for me is a play, something that I practice to come back home. Uh, back home meaning back to my body, back to my inner experience, and back to what my, I would say, authentic self in a way, which is the part of me that that I know better. And in difficult moments that I've, I've, I've had, I've gone through in my life, I always found that going back on the mat, was a way to kind of regulate myself physically, emotionally, and uh, mentally. So it's definitely, for me, it's the practice to come back home. Before you started doing yoga, did you find that you had kind of more of a disconnect between the body and the mind and yoga was something that helped to like reinforce those connections for you? Absolutely. I mean, I was a teenager when I, when I <laughs> imagine the disconnect there. <laughs> there's no way no, that was 30 yeah. years. Look, there's no way that was 30 years ago you were a teenager. Uh, yeah. You're just, you're just no, I actually am thinking the same thing. I was like, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those who can't see her, Laura looks very young. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, so, yoga, so what? Elixir of youth. <laughs> when Columbus went to go find in India the fountain of youth, Laura found through yoga. 
Which he would have found in India. So possible. <laughs> so I think that uh, somehow, yes, I mean, we all go through some level of trauma, even in, in, teen- in teenage years. But for me, it was also throughout my life, I've experienced different things. And and probably the, the, the two things that really impacted me was the loss, loss of two friends that had uh, passed for cancer. And one was a teenage, a teenager like me, and the other one was only, uh, well, I was only 24, she was in her 30s. So for me, it really threw me off balance. And, and then again, I, I continued practice yoga, practicing yoga to, at that time, I didn't even know why, but I just, it just made, made me feel good. But definitely there was a disconnect. And I think it, it, it did take a long time to become able to regulate myself. Yes, Amy, did you want to say something? Oh, no, we just have this, <clears throat> sir, oh, excuse me. That's just our way of communicating. The first guest to call us out on that. That's our way of being like, I'm next. <laughs> Oh, I see. Okay, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So, but you mentioned that disconnect. So, how do you how do you recognize when you're able to reconnect with yourself? Does it come automatically to you when you're back on the mat, or is it something maybe where you you have to go? Is there or is there a process to it? Well, I've been I've been practicing a long time now, so it's easy for me to stay connected more than disconnect. It's, uh, I think that practicing yoga for me and probably for a lot of people that experience trauma is about regulation. So for instance, for somebody that doesn't practice yoga at all uh, and they have some sort of trauma and trauma, you know, you, you, you probably know better than, than I do, that can be all sorts of things uh, or the stress response can be triggered by so many different things. So it yoga helps to regulate so it shortens the time that you come back to a state of balance meaning that if you connect not just with the body but also with the breath there is a better chance for your nervous system to settle and to and and to, and to balance which means that all the physiological functions uh, are okay so you sleep okay and you also you also do your 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 general activities during the day in a much more focused way. I know that there's a lot of doctors who believe that uh, the body will hold particular memories in different kind of muscle groups and everything. Totally. Uh, I also I practice because I have a lot of rugby injuries, so I practice yoga for that. But mm. do you agree with that belief that the body will hold on to trauma and like your muscle memory and everything and that it helps to relieve a lot of that? In my personal opinion, yes. And also in my personal experience, I have, for, for instance, when, during my teacher training, I, I remember going through the teacher training and I don't know, maybe because of the many hours that we were practicing Whatever it was, I remember shedding so many tears and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> and it was like, I don't know what's happening. You know, there was this this stuff happening in my in my body, in my in my. Yeah, I think in my body that just needed to be released. And I guess tears were the, the easiest way to to make it happen. But also recently, I, I during my restorative uh, yoga practice or the teacher training, I experienced this sense of internal release 
which was really interesting to me because especially with restorative yoga, you have this experience of holding a posture without uh, muscle tension, muscular tension for a fairly long time, between five, 15 minutes. And I don't know, let's say legs up the wall with the belt around your thighs. And you literally feel the gravity of the legs, the gravity pulled uh, pulls in the legs into the hip sockets. And even just that is deeply nurturing. But what I felt during the, the tissue training was this deep sense of release, inner release into the muscles around my bladder. <laughs> so I felt like... <laughs> I didn't pee myself. Okay, I was just you're like, I felt this great release like in your bladder. Okay. Like, so we just let it go. Yeah. But I didn't pee myself. And I felt this sense of the the only way that I can describe it is just this dropping in physically. Uh, I felt this weight dropping. And then I realized, oh my God, I had a ha-ha moment. And I thought, oh my God, I didn't realize that I was tensing up around that area. And then the more I practiced that, the more it became obvious that it's absolutely true that the body does hold tension, does hold trauma. And sometimes we don't even know. It takes years probably to explore that. I know from my practice that like, there's actually one when you're talking about holding without tension, there's one practice I like to do and by the time you get to like the fourth or fifth downward dog, like this is meant to be a rest pose now. And I was like, is it? <laughs> well, you will find that yoga has different styles. I mean, obviously, you know. Yeah. And lately, I mean, I started with Atha and I started with the Vinyasa and the Ashtanga and I practiced a little bit of everything. But I found that the more quiet practices are the ones that really help the body to to release the tension. And it's, I think that what one needs to observe is where one is. You will find that in a lot of students that want to practice Ashtanga, for instance, the hardest practices are the ones that actually need much more of the restorative practices because they, whatever you, uh, you, you want is basically feeding what you already are. So if you, tend, if you tend to be a bit stressed or if you tend to be on the go, you want a practice that reflects that and that, that would become maybe a, a more str- a stronger, uh, vigorous practice. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that supports your nervous system. And people that have a tendency to be a bit more sluggish, on the other hand, might need a bit more vigorous practice. I would say the balance stays in between the two. So you can practice a bit of the the more vigorous practice and then the calmer, restorative, contemplative practices. And people that go through uh, trauma or PTSD, they need to come back to their body. And And the first stages of that is an actual practice that does not necessarily get them into meditation but it's more to do with the actual physicality of the body so it's almost like starting to get into the physical the outer shell to get into the mental layer of the body if you yeah if you see what i mean (laughs) 
Well, yeah, and there's different types of traumas, and I don't know what the statistics yeah. are in you know the UK, but here in the United States and North America, like one third of the houses, one third. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember statistics, and they escape me right now. But it's this huge <laughs> percentage of people that go through childhood traumas, and yeah. and then you have, of course, with the last twenty years of endless wars here in our societies. You know, you also have soldiers coming home with PTSD, which has been a generational thing for the last forever. So do you see that the body stores different types of traumas in different places, like body-wise, mind-wise, and how do those get released in each individual? Is that going to be, is that taking the time for that individual to learn their body and come home to themselves again? Because I, I love that idea of coming home to yourself. Yeah, I think it's... So the stress response is pretty much the same for everybody. So it's always fight or flight, freeze. And I found a fourth one, which is fawn. It's which I still need to understand a little bit better. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, yeah. I've never heard that one. So that's a new one for me. I know yeah, the three others. I know. I just found out a few days ago, actually, because I was doing some research and uh, fawn is the new well, I wonder if it's people who tend to be placating in confrontational situations. So instead of being like, be quiet, get away or argue, they're just like, yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. I just want yeah. to get out of this situation. You seem nice. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> That makes perfect sense. There is a physiological response to stress and to and to trauma, as, as you know. And, and the response is uh, adrenaline shot, legs and arms uh, go and you they're ready for for running basically the digestive system is um suppressed the all the all the accessory systems are um are getting less blood and one is the reproductive system as well so the in the animal kingdoms you would see the response would be uh, shaking the body so animals when they do when they have a run or if there is something that is giving them stress then they shake but in in humans we don't have that response imagine you have your boss telling you off for something and then you go and shake in front of your boss <laughs> happens happens weekly at least I get the shaking response, but it's mostly from, yeah, it's not, it's not like that kind of shaking. It's like my <laughs> arms will start to shake because I'm envisioning all of the ways that I would like to have violence happen. But I know that politically it's not correct. <laughs> exactly. I was actually going to ask you a, a question. How far into the research? So you were talking about how the adrenaline shot goes and they send less blood supply to the reproductive system. But in my in incredibly long history with weird traumatic events, yeah. Uh, I always found that afterwards, though, you always want to have sex. I don't know if that's just me, but why would it send less blood? To, why would it send less blood to the reproductive system? Did your research tell you that or? Yeah, yeah. Because basically, uh, you need if you need to run, you need to run. So you need energy and blood flow pumping into your legs and your arms, not into the reproductive system. I, I don't know where wanting to have sex comes from, but it might be it might be your personal response to it. I remember once I was involved uh, in another accident, and all I did after the accident was laughing like crazy. <laughs> so, I'm also that person, and it tends to make people think that you are a little crazy. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so, you know, I think that every, every single individual has a different response, but the body stores trauma uh, in very similar ways. So, Amy, did you want to ask something? Well, you, I mean, we're talking about storing trauma and responses, and I mm. heard a story recently too, but when you're working with victims of rape and sexual abuse, a lot of times that response is quiet and, yes. and being reflective before they come back to themselves. So, I mean, do you have any experience working with those type of sexual abuse victims? I, I don't personally, I do have one of my clients, she said that she was raped as a child, but it wasn't it wasn't a recent thing i when i do work with her though i can i can see that there is there is a whole set of experience because there was also race involved in that so there's a whole set of experiences that are blocking her and we've been working together for a couple of years now to kind of get back into her body and to own whatever has happened to own and accept it and then uh, supporting her to move on from that. But it's really important to, to get people, not necessarily to, I'm not a psychotherapist, so I can't tell them you know, what to say, what to think, but I can indicate to them how to practice, how to breathe, how to become more aware of the sensation that the body gives them or the messages that the body gives them. And sometimes you know, when you're sitting quietly, after a yoga session during the final parts of the yoga session you actually you know you you experience this sense of inner quiet that i mean in most cases is common for people that go through trauma sometimes it might not be so easy to stay to stay quiet uh, either into meditation or into shavasana but in that case you would have obviously different tools and depend depending on the circumstances in in the case of when people can't find their inner quiet would you say that it's more important for them to experience what they're feeling or is it more important for them to try and let it go and get to that inner quiet no i think it's really important i mean it is it is sometimes painful and it is sometimes scary to to experience whatever the level of trauma is but i would encourage people to to listen to what the body has to say. Sometimes, I mean, I have seen faces of terror <laughs> with students that I have suggested, for instance, to, to do a headstand. And it's like, ah! <laughs> it's like, and, and it took me ages before being able to do a headstand. So the nervous system has basically the same response as being into a very stressful situation. But be, be inside the, the yoga studio, within the yoga studio, within the yoga community, you know that somehow you are supported, you are, I don't like to say protected, but you are in a protected environment. So even if there is a stressful situation, then a teacher will guide you through, say, the headstand in a safe way. And this helps the students, whether there is trauma or not, to learn to regulate the trauma response. So eventually you can get to a headstand, you can get through the trauma, 
uh, and there are different stages that can accompany you in a safe way to get through that. Well, and I'm going to chime in more on the mental health side of it, you know, partly through my training and also just relying on the recent session with my own therapist is I think in our Western cultures, we think as I think it's our we always hear this word. We need to process our traumas. We need to process our traumas. And and I know from my own self that that means rushing through it and mm. trying to, and trying to find a way to get through that as quickly as possible. And over the last two weeks, my therapist has been saying to me, it's like, Amy, I need you to sit with your feelings, to yeah. do yoga, to do something even quiet, reflective. And instead of like getting distracted, feel where your body responds. For me, it's in my arms and the and the soles of my feet when I get really stressed out that I that's where I feel that energy and to feel that. And so I think... The yoga practice, from what I'm hearing from you, Laura, is it's it's that reconnection, but then also giving us time to reconnect without forcing that process, which I yeah. think is a very Western thing. And something that came to mind is like we've been in this psychopharmacology world, especially since the late 80s, you know, and there's some there's some real benefits for that. But I think we've also lost something where psychopharmacology can numb our insides to that connection and it's probably more of a temporary fix so this restorative practice can make more permanent connections so like you said you're for you it doesn't take long to connect because you've been in practice so long so that's the way I'm conceptualizing this Laura does that make any type of sense to you what I just yeah absolutely (laughs) I mean I don't I don't discard the use of of pharmacology because Mm -hmm sometimes it is necessary and sometimes I totally agree so i just want to jump in i'm not i'm not poo-pooing it but i think i look at i look at the psychopharmacology especially in my case as like a canoe maybe i need that canoe for a time to yeah. get across the lake yeah. and yeah. then i can move on with something else and, and i've yeah, made my think... case that i'll be on meds probably for the rest of my life it took me eight years to get on to the right medication and it's the only thing that's helped me reconnect with myself and mm. allowed me to start making those connections again. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. It's it, If it's used as a bridge, that's, that's excellent. But it can become numbing, as you say, and obviously each one is different. So, you know, we need, we need to, to, to look at, you know, personal circumstances at, at, at one point, but totally makes sense, Amy, what you say, because the yoga practice is a is a long practice there's no quick fix especially when you come to to trauma there's there's obviously no quick fix and it does take time to connect with with ourselves with the inner self because i mean look at us we are uh, constantly looking at our phones and constantly looking at tv and constantly window shopping and and you know we are constantly projected outside and and not so much inside so my encouragement for for you or for the people you know is to definitely get into a practice that supports the whole process of inner healing starting from from the body going going deeper and deeper it sounds like you know for you, Natalie, and I, I don't want to poo-poo medicine, but it sounds like this is part of your process. It's part medication. It's part lifestyle choices. It's part, you know, 
Oh, so getting in an accident, having tons of sex. Um, <laughs> wasn't it. So what I was telling Amy about is um, the, the lots of sex part was I was triaging a three-car pileup. I wasn't in that accident. I witnessed okay, that okay. accident. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I do have, uh, this is before I did it, but I was a registered cardiology technologist and I do have a lot of family in the healthcare system. So my friend and I were at a light and we saw a three-car pileup happen literally right in front of us. And so him and I are like immediately out of our cars. We spent like two hours with ambulances and the police and everything. And then we went home and both of us like sex. And he's like, yes. And I, think, <laughs> I think that was just like a, a need to reconnect and like to feel alive again, because it's just, that was our response was dealing with that. And I you're hear, like, I'm alive. I, I can, I'll be alive. Let's, but for I me, hear a lot of people after funerals actually like to have sex. <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's like, I think it's that one thing. It's just like, it's the, I don't know if it's the ultimate human connection, but it's the one thing that does make you feel more connected. But for me, yoga was definitely, it took me a while to find that inner quiet. And I am one of those people who I live my life on the go. I'm always going. So the quiet practices were very hard for me to get into because I'm not yeah. used to sitting quietly with myself. Mm. It's not for everybody. I mean, I think that you can get to that point when you have a good understanding of how your body works and whether you're comfortable with your body. And then only only after that, you are able to sit quietly, maybe going into meditation. But before going there, it is important to, to, to really feel the body, to really feel comfortable in your body. And it's so hard for so many people. So I've many. done, yeah, I've done lots of things to try and do that. I've had lots of body dysmorphia from growing up with very classically good looking family and always being plus size. And yoga was one of the ways that I also, I started to model nude for artists just mm. as a way to try and get past it. Cause I was just like, I need to see yeah. myself from someone else's point of view. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> it was a lot of, I highly recommend it. It was a lot of fun. And the artists, you get some really great looks of yourself. Actually, one of them has a bunch of photo, a bunch of like paintings he's done of me hung up in his house, which I'm very proud awesome. of. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do you, Amy, do you practice yoga? You know, I've dabbled in it, but it's something that I need to do more of, to be honest with you. You know, and I, I'm really starting to value more of it as I learn more about mental health and there's, mm. There seems to be this, I think there's this balancing act that I was just referring to that there is a need, you know, for some psycho, psychopharmacology within mental health space, because there are people that are just going to need it. It's just the way that it is. And then I think there's a group of people like me who are probably going to be on and off meds for a period of their time over their life. And right now, because of the pandemic and stress and the situation that I had earlier this year where I had this vision of a prior trauma that sent me down this rabbit hole. So I have all these different things. So trying to get all of that stuff put together. So, and then I also have two metal rods in my back from, you know, I have this car accident and trauma in my life from 1989. That's still from a PTSD perspective that was really active in the late eighties, early nineties has calmed mm. down, but yet I still, that SI joint area of mine carries a lot of weight because I have six vertebrae fused together. So all the stress mm. in my life goes to my neck and somehow skips my lumbar and goes right into my SI and my hips. So I think finding a way to diffuse that trauma and that stress, I think through yoga would be a very yeah. good thing for me. So what I also found because I'm uh, um, being a massage therapist, I, I practice Thai massage. 
what I found is, and obviously there's been there's been lots and lots of research about the power of touch. And just by pressing my hand onto someone's back or somebody's thigh, you really feel the body giving in. It's like you, you feel, you really feel that the body is, I don't like the expression melting because it really doesn't make sense, but. Oh, I just melted. Response. I just, I just melted seeing your, your, your hand motion and your voice. I'm like, oh, I'm so relaxed right now. I can, <laughs> I can just feel your energy through the Zoom though, Laura. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not, it's I'm just not like, trying, it's... like my old creepy self's coming back, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that sense and you can try it we can try with your daughter you you know just uh have her uh, face down and you just place your hand onto her back just the weight of your hand on her back will allow the body to release and sometimes people just by that touch sometimes people release whatever needs to be released and it's such a powerful tool touch is such a powerful tool so we should probably do that more. <laughs> Maybe that's where the sex comes from. <laughs> probably. I know I suffer from touch starvation, especially the pandemic has been very hard for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Natalie's going to be here in like two and a half weeks, so <laughs> we'll, we'll practice on each other. Uh, yes. <laughs> also bringing an author up from New Orleans to join us in New York's. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I, I can join you in Zoom. I can give you a direction on how yeah. to do it. <laughs> One big, one big circle touch. Yeah, lawyerism participation. Nice. I don't know why you don't think that is. <laughs> well, I think that that is a good place to jump off because that voyeurism is participation. <laughs> oh, Laura, Laura, thank you so much for joining us this thank evening. Thank you, guys. It was lovely uh, meeting you when we're in London lovely again. We'll meeting you, connect. Natalie. Yeah, yeah, hopefully I'll, we can meet up again. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> my, London. my goal next year is to do some comedy back in, in the UK. So I know exactly where I'm staying. Are you still doing the Airbnb thing? No, but I will do for you. Yes, that's the answer <laughs> I wanted to hear. All righty. Well, on that fantastic note, we're going to say goodnight to Laura, but uh, we'll be right back with more Transformation Thursday right after the big voice, Bill Satry begs you for more money. Did you know it takes money and time to host, edit, and market a podcast? And did you know our hosts have limited funds, but still want to get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience? This is where you come in. Head over to TransformationThursday.com, where you will find the Transformation Thursday Patreon page. There, someday, Natalie and Amy will start to post Patreon-only content, so let's all help our hosts Natalie and Amy get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. Patreon levels start at just $1 a month. That is it. $1 a month to help the world understand the trans and gender diverse community. Just head online and go to TransformationThursday.com. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens. My pronouns are she, her, and I just have this incredible urge to start a yoga practice. What do you think, Natalie? 
I think it's great. I've been practicing for, I've probably been practicing since I was 18, started with just trying to heal an injury. And then like Laura is telling us, it becomes more. Yeah. What struck me through that is, you know, and I really have seen this throughout my practice, not my practice, excuse me, my education as I prepare to go and practice for mental health counseling that, you know, over the last 30 plus years, there's been this huge push on the psychopharmological side of mental health and like, hey, give this a pill, give that a pill and everybody gets a pill, right? And as we were discussing, I there are some people that are probably going to be on medications for the majority of their life related to mental health. And I might be one of them. I really don't know yet if I will ever come off mine. I hope that I can at some point, but the way my life is going, I don't think that's gonna happen and that's okay. But I'm also seeing this other side of it where yoga and Eastern philosophies and other types of mindfulness practices are coming back into the mental health and into the medical settings. And I think we're starting to take a more holistic approach to the human versus then, hey, let's just ram everybody into this medical model and solve it with medicine. And so I really hope that we continue to see that push. And I really like what Laura's talking about, about processing trauma through yoga and getting in touch with our bodies, getting in touch with a practice that brings us home to who we really are and being authentic with ourselves. That really resonates with me as a woman who just happens to be transgender. I think you and I have talked about this before where I believe a lot of us have that disconnect between the mind and the body. And I don't know if it's fear-based or if it's just that people fail to see that there is a large connection between the way that you are feeling, the way that your body is, and even just how you can influence your own body. I think we need to come at it from a more holistic approach. Like I know I'll probably be one of those people who's on meds for my life. I've tried to go off them a couple of times and it just has never really worked for me, even with those mindfulness practices. I think that the holistic approach is one that combines the use of medicine with the use of mindfulness. And I want to see us push more towards that as well. Yeah, I think that's a good place for us to get as a society and realizing that some of us are going to be on meds, some of us aren't, some are some of us are going to use it for a short time, but being more mindful of our bodies and coming home to ourselves is just, I keep coming back to that idea. It's just such a beautiful thought to me, so. It really is. Yeah. We are recording this on Halloween. This will probably come out a few weeks later, but I think it's time to probably get home to myself and also to the trick-or-treaters that are gonna be at my door here in a little bit. What do you think? I love Halloween. I love that it's the one day your parents tell you to take candy from strangers. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we'll go give candy to strangers and we will see all of you next time. Good night, everyone. Night. Thank you for listening to another meandering episode of Transformation Thursday. The podcast is produced and edited by Amy Stevens and Natalie Walker. The general counsel of the Transformation Thursday podcast network is Francesca Rodriguez. And marketing assistance is provided by Kai Von Doom. Until we all assemble again from the land of 10,000 lakes, my name is Bill Satry, the The big big voice. voice of Transformation Thursday. Good night, everyone.